Welcome to Fortress of Faith with Tom Wallace, calling North America to repentance and revival. Welcome back to the Corner of Truth and Courage. You're here today with uh, Tom Wallace, and I have a special guest with me in the studio. Uh, His name is Nehemiah Paul. Nehemiah Paul is the international coordinator with FMI. They're a missionary organization that uh, mainly ministers in uh, Muslim countries. And uh, Nehemiah grew up in Pakistan, um, and you were also the national coordinator or director in Pakistan before coming to the States in the position that you're doing now. Welcome to Fortress of Faith. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I really enjoyed ministering, doing with you in the last few days. Well, thank you. We've uh, we had the opportunity to be in a conference last week. It was a good conference. He had uh, handouts for all his uh, <laughs> sessions. I didn't, uh, you know, and I felt mm, well. But uh, you did did a great job, and um, the information that you covered was just fantastic. And also, last week was the closing of Ramadan, and they end that with the Eid, Eid al-Fitr. And it's a big feast time. And so, you know, maybe it's helpful for our listeners to hear from someone else other than me, who was a missionary uh, overseas, being around Muslims and stuff there. But, you know, you grew up in it. What is Ramadan? First, I want to tell about Eid al-Fitr. When we, we claim Eid al-Fitr, this word came from iftar. Maybe you have heard about iftar parties or iftar dinner. Uh, the breaking of the fast or opening the fast. So this this word comes from uh, iftar, Eid al-Fitr, uh, the Eid of breaking the fast. They believe that this is uh, 30 days of a period when they fast for 30 days and uh, Satan or devil or the Jal, whoever uh, they believe in, was being prison for, for being 30 days and he will be released again uh, after 30 days. This is a very funny concept they have. They fast Every day, early in the morning, and the break about seven or six p.m. every day. Okay, so, so for thirty days, in a sense, they have put the Satan uh, in prison, and then they celebrate the end of it by releasing him. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's thirty days of fasting. This is one of the five pillars of, of yes. Islam. The fast is <laughs> kind of a funny thing. You would think people lose weight during a fast. I have, but the most I've ever fasted is 10 days, I think it was there. But uh, 30 days, can you imagine doing that? But that's not 30 days without eating food, okay? It's during daylight hours. They they cease from eating. At night, they really feast <laughs> each night, and it's uh, they often gain weight during yeah. that time. And and I think you were telling me something about sometimes they have to go to the hospital because of their yeah. eating habits. There. Yeah, they they have to go and see the doctors because they have to go to the, see the doctor's office because of the eating patterns being changed and that they eat. They gorge <laughs> in, yeah. in the evening. Yeah, yeah, very very different ways. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've always joked around saying you know that thirty days they fast during the day and at night when the sun goes down they eat like Baptist. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyhow, we came to the end of the uh, of the Eid and. I wanted to have you on the program for our listeners to hear your story and get acquainted a bit with uh, some of the ministry that the Lord has given you and your insights about Islam and Muslims. Do this. I want to try to get to your dad here in a moment, okay, to talk about how your dad came to faith because you're a second-generation Christian. You know, your dad came to faith at great cost. Explain for us there, coming from a Muslim family, so, Brother Nima, you, you come from Pakistan. Um, 
explain, well, I want to get to the story about your dad, how he came to faith. But uh, before we get into that there, explain a little bit about Pakistan. You know, you speak English, you speak it well, you've got an accent with you, no doubt, but you probably speak more than just English. Give us a background a little bit about uh, your your country and language and how Islam, you know, touches all that, if you would. Sure. Uh, first, I want to tell that uh, I was born in one of uh, the very famous or infamous cities of Pakistan. This this city become very infamous or famous in the last few years. I was born in Abbottabad, the same place where uh, American SEALs, they, they killed Osama bin Laden. They raided uh, the, that compound. And that compound was about a couple of miles away where I was born in Abbottabad. I was born there. I spent my few years of life in Abbottabad before we moved to um, uh, central Punjab, which is close to India. I mean, India is about uh, 20 miles away from my hometown where I live. And uh, uh, it's a beautiful country, of course, and have all the resources. But living in um, different Muslim nations, um, I observe that Pakistan is very, very different country when we talk about practicing Muslims or practicing Islam in Pakistan. Pakistan has the most violent Islam in, pa in, in the world. This country, they practice... Uh, um, they have a mob culture where a mob can go and kill and burn alive people in the name of Islam or Allah to get to heaven, uh, to get the key to heaven. To yeah, well, I'm sorry to mean to cut you right off there, but I just want to interject a thought there because I've heard many times that they, you know, if a person is, uh, you know, they want to do someone in, you know, they've got, you know, some kind of a, uh, an offense or whatever that they've done, they'll make a claim, this person blasphemed <laughs> Allah or something like that and they didn't but how, how do you prove it when you got a mob coming at you sure all you got to do is just raise up the people you know uh, Henry over here just blasphemed Muhammad let's go kill him you know yeah. that happens often out yeah, there but, uh, brother I think you don't know my story that this has happened to me as well uh, I was riding a bus I was coming from Afghan border uh, ministering there, we have a ministry partners on the border of Afghanistan. I was on the bus, there was a guy next to me. And we are being trained, talk to everybody who is sitting second next to you. I mean, we cannot keep quiet while sharing the word of God or testifying Jesus. So there was a guy next to me and uh, uh, we were talking about Christianity and Islam. And I, I mean, this is one of the ways I preach gospel that I throw questions at them. And I know they don't have the answers. So I ask, what is the concept of salvation in Islam? How are you assured you have the surety that you go to heaven? And he had no answer. And he said he's going to come back to me after talking to his imam. And he never came back to me. But I was being accused for blasphemy. And uh, the local mosque and the madrasa, they issued of three fatwas against me. And I was on run. I mean, I was not really running uh, the way my father did, but I was in hidings. I, I left Pakistan for some time and came back. And I uh, faced all the trial courts and the people, they wanted to kill me. Mm. And they were able to attack a couple of times. And uh, I was in a hospital for a few times. And right. once I was being kidnapped by the cops and they wanted to record a statement of their choice. So it happened a couple of times with me. But... Um, that was assurance, that was uh, endorsement from God that 
I really worship a true God because Bible says that if people persecute you or they they they, they punish you, just feel that you are you are worshiping a true God. You were saying too in your in the conference there how they will trick girls into saying the Shahada little children and stuff there. Explain that if you would. What is the Shahada? This this is uh, uh, the faith of statement Muslims have. The statement of faith is La ilaha illallah Muhammad ya Rasulallah in Arabic. Uh, the English translation would be that uh, there is only one God uh, not other than Allah and uh, we believe that Muhammad is the last prophet. This is their faith statement. And uh, in Pakistan or maybe countries like Pakistan it's very common when they, they pick up girls and uh, they made them to say, they make them to say mm -hmm. that you have to say this uh, faith, uh, faith, uh, state of faith man, uh, or faith that we believe in Allah. And the moment they say that, these girls, they become Muslims. Yeah. And there is no way they can go back, they can turn back. And these girls are like 11 years old, 12 years old, 13 years old. And we have uh, seen many girls in Pakistan we fight for them. Uh, we, we, we try to bring them back and we go to courts to fight them. But uh, I'm sorry that, that this is a very painful that we never ever successful bringing back any girl. So in other words, they <coughs> they said something. They didn't realize what they were saying yeah. in a sense. And they're being tricked into saying the creed of, of Islam. Uh, there's no God but Allah and Muhammad is his prophet. And by saying that, that's how one becomes a Muslim in the eyes of Islam. That's how you convert. Yeah. And um, the 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 way I was always taught in the uh, in what we would uh, call the proper fashion is that they must say it by faith, believing in the presence of two Muslims in Arabic, and that makes them now a Muslim. Okay, but they get them to say it. And they don't really realize why or how, you know, they're being almost forced and stuff. And now they're treated, now you're Muslim, you can never leave. And that's one of the rules of Islam. Apostasy, what's the rule of apostasy? Death. Yeah. You know, so Pakistan got started uh, as it split from India during the years that they were making a revolution against England. Uh, Gandhi... Uh, was a big part of that, of that history. But India split into two. If I understand my history, I might be kind of getting it, uh, maybe all the details uh, uh, not quite correct and accurate, but that's kind of where Pakistan got its start because of its split, because of their hold to Islam. you got a lot of Hindus over in India, and you have a tremendous number of, of Muslims over there too. Yeah. But Pakistan is very weighty, you know, very heavy in Islam. Then you had another split, Bangladesh on the other side, right? Yeah. And um, and uh, and so of course they carry Islam with them as well. So you're in this region of the world where uh, how many different languages are spoken over there? Um, we have five provinces, and each province has their own provisional language. Uh, but we have more than 300 languages across Pakistan. People speak, and I speak few of them. Yeah. And uh, Urdu, which is a national language, this is not, not my mother tongue. Punjabi is my mother tongue. Um, and I speak a couple of other languages in Pakistan. Well, I struggle with my own. <laughs> well, uh, I, I guess I could say I speak English and British. Okay, I can, uh, sure. and I do have to sometimes translate in my mind. You know what country I'm in, what words I use, uh, just within the English language there. Yeah. But, um, but Tom, I just want to add a very important point here. 
um, when Pakistan got separated from India in 1947, we had uh, East Pakistan, West Pakistan, and uh, Bangladesh got separated in 1971. Okay. Pakistan is the only Muslim country, a Muslim nation in the world who has atomic energy. Mm. Yes, right. Uh, Iran is struggling. Uh, uh, they, they, they are doing it. And how Iran got atomic energy, that was the help with Pakistani scientists. Mm. who did that in Pakistan. So he was helping uh, for Iran. Yeah. And uh, uh, Pakistan is the second Muslim country in the world who was being, uh, um, being born in the name of Islam, for Saudi Arabia and then Pakistan. Wow. Well, we run out of time, but tomorrow when we come back, I want to start talking about your father and his testimony, how he came to faith. So join us. Uh, this will be an exciting story. You don't want to miss it. So join us tomorrow at the Corner of Truth and Courage. God bless you. This is Tyler Hudson with you from Fortress of Faith. We want to thank you for listening to the broadcast today. And just to give you a quick update, we are still in the month uh, of our fundraising for April. We have breached the halfway point. And uh, we'd ask that you'd pray if God would have you to help uh, with some operating expenses that we have here. We do this every April. And there are three ways you can give. First, uh, the easiest way is to go to FortressOfFaith.com. You can click on Donate there and do that safely and securely with Canadian or U.S. funds. A second way is to call 1-800-616-0082. That's, again, 1-800-616-0082. And you can donate that way. Or, if you'd prefer to send a check, you can send that to P.O. Box 30485. That's Bellingham, Washington, 98226. Again, that's P.O. Box 30485, Bellingham, Washington, 98226. Thank you so much for listening and for being a part of our ministry here at Fortress of Faith. God bless.